everybody. This is Dan and Lawrence. Here's Lawrence from Japan. Yeah, Lawrence is going to be my my uh, 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 emotional companion animal for the evening. And my emotional companion human for the evening is none other than Joe. Say hi to everybody, Joe. Pleasure to be here. I'll keep uh, Dan stable. That's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tell, tell me when you get that mastered. Cause you know, I, I, I still don't believe that that's going to happen, but anyway, all right, let's stay positive, you know, positive, but it's, it's always good to stay positive. All right, guys. Well, I saw that some of you were betting for uh, the AMA to start on time today. Well, we tried, yeah. we tried, we tried our best. Better luck next time. Um, time look, time is, is a human invention anyway. Okay. Uh, so we, we can, you know, we, we, we can bend the concept a little bit here, just like we do at Ergo time. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's there. We still, we still keep building. All right, everybody, let's do a little bit of an update. Uh, so um, again, exchanges are literally in the final stages. We have made some kind of finaliz finalization move, fi well, finalization moves, I guess you could call them today. Uh, we're just kind of um, working on the strategy of, of uh, you know, the actual uh, listing and, uh, you know, it's, uh, Again, we're going to let you guys know when it's happening. But like I said, we're really on a threshold right now. Literally today, we're taking care of something. Well, my today, uh, Joe, last night, because I live in the future. And Joe lives in the past. He lives in Colorado. It's a nice place to live in, but you are in the past, Joe. All right. I know how the future is. And the future is rainy and kind of hot. All right. So yeah, well, like it's never it's never hot where you are because you live like on Colorado's Mount Everest or something. You know, you're a mountain man. You know, one of these days we're gonna see with like a grizzly Adams beard, and you know, the camera's gonna move in, you know, moving slowly, and Joe's gonna be like, "No, it itches me, man. I I I can grow a beard, but like then I'm like some kind of tweaker always touching it. So it's best to not." <laughs> You know, I, I, I had a beard for, for, for forever. Okay. For literally like 10 years, maybe, maybe more, you get used to it. And then sometimes it just starts bothering you and then you get used to it again. It just, it just like go through phases, you know, sometimes it just itch and then it just kind of like whatever, you know, and then go back to it. I don't know. It's, it's one of those things. It's, you know, it's a trade-off, you know, you look, you look more grisly, you know, you fit the part better, but it itches needs you know you need you know man is that still manscaping anyway i don't know we're getting off topic yeah, emotional support yeah, yeah, we're, here. we're getting up top we're, yeah 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 so so let's get back on topic so the next the next item that i've been working on again is in fact uh education uh and so um we're very close to finalizing a um a uh, I guess, uh, a, a high level curriculum. Um, so again, I would like to see a course 
that offers official certification. So basically the thinking behind this is, is that um, what is the highest value for the average person to, uh, to take a course, uh, to take an education course? Okay, so yes, they get to learn. They get to learn about the, uh, about the blockchain, they get to learn about blockchain and business, they get to learn about Ergo and what tools they can use for business because that's one of the courses that we're gonna do is, is blockchain for business. Um, how to build on Ergo and what can they can build on Ergo and so on and so forth. Um, aside from that, aside from that, I think what would be really useful would be to actually have it certified by an accredited institution saying that this, yes, in fact, this person is a certified blockchain professional, which will actually give uh, the the person that is that, that completed the course, something to go and kind of add to the resume to basically be able to make more money and get a, get a better job. Um, I think it's got a lot of value. I think it's going to attract a lot of people. And so basically by proxy, we're going to be attracting a lot of people to Ergo because we are going to be using uh, Ergo as our, uh, as our main base for, uh, for learning. Uh, so really excited about that. And again, there are going to be several levels of courses. Um, we're also going to be trying to, um, spread these courses out to other universities. Um, the, uh, the, the university is just about, we're, we're, we're about to, um, uh, well, I don't want to do an announcement of an but we're, 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 we're going to finalize some, some, some things in the next few weeks. And we will let you know us from the Zengate side, um, of who we're working with and what we're doing. Um, again, guys, as soon as that is available, I will let you guys know. And I, I don't say this, these kind of things to tease. I just don't like to really give out too many details, you know, exact details about things that are still in motion. Right. So, um, I don't want to give false perceptions of what's going on, uh, which is why I keep things anonymous until, until the deal is signed. Uh, and so another, again, another vertical that I've been working on a lot is, uh, facilitating our, um, our partnership with CNFTCon. Um, and I'm, like I said, I'm really glad to see so many, so many Ergo projects coming out there. Uh, we're going to have the Ergo Foundation really well represented over there. Uh, right now I'm working on uh, specific uh, collateral for the booth. Um, so we're going to have fireside chats. We're going to have, um, presentations of different projects in the Ergo ecosystem. We're going to feature some uh, feature projects. We're going to do remote interviews. We're going to do an, a live interviews for, with, uh, Ergonauts that are going to be on the ground at CNFTCon. Um, and just, yeah, just, just really driving, um, a lot of exposure to Ergo and uh, the organizers of CNFTCon. They're also very passionate about that. So I'm really happy to have them help us out um, to really kind of bring a lot of exposure to Ergo. I really think this is going to be really good for us. Um, it's, going to, it's also going to introduce other people that are not in the Cardano Ergo ecosystem to Ergo because there are going to be other people that are, they're, they're attracting to the convention. It's not just going to be kind of a, you know, uh, like an inner ecosystem event. There's also going to be people from other ecosystems that are, that they're being invited. Um, so again, very, very cool event. Um, I'm going to be taking my, uh, uh, my 16 hour flight to actually, yeah, I think it's going to be 16 hour flight one way to Vegas. 
Um, so really looking forward to that. Not really, but what are you going to do? So, yeah. Um, and again, we're still, um, we, we, we can still, uh, fit you in if you'd like to have your project featured, if you'd like to have your project project, uh, um, uh, interviewed, uh, during the convention, uh, I'd be more than happy to facilitate that for you. So just again, please let me know, DM me on telegram or, um, any other means you can email me, um, and uh yeah we'll make it happen i will it's many people already emailed me or, or uh dm me so uh we definitely have good traction um and yeah so uh superb me was asking ama in the air um you know actually i tried doing that once i'm not i'm gonna tell you which one it was but one time i actually recorded something while it was in the air <laughs> for you guys and it it's it, it's not easy. It's not easy. You know, it's, um, uh, it, there's a lot more background noise than you re than you realize when you actually start recording the, the plane makes more background noise, uh, than you would expect, uh, for it to make you just, and because you're there, you don't really realize it. But then when you actually start recording, you're like, Oh man, this is really noisy. And so I don't know about it. An AMA from the air. Um, all right, guys, that's, uh, about it for me, from me. Um, what about you, Joe? What do we got going on, on, the, the, uh, the nitty gritty? Oh, it was a good week. Uh, you know, we had a pretty nice, uh, discussion going on in uh, some channels about, uh, layer two solutions, the potential there. Um, looks like we have more than a few projects that are already plugging in and optimizing their applications, which is huge to see. Uh, you know, today's September 1st. So, you know, there's a lot of speculation out there that the, uh, merge, uh, Ethereum moving from proof of work to proof of stake is going to happen this month. Uh, let's see. Uh, if so, you know, we're in for a really interesting time in terms of, uh, minor migration, user migration, uh, just a lot of kind of madness, uh, in the space. I uh, I think it's going to be an interesting time. Everyone, uh, out there, uh, enjoy. I'm whenever you have these kind of mass events, uh, you know, it's always interesting to see how things shake out. There's usually some, I don't know, drama, marketing coverage, you know, pros and cons out there. Um, so let's see what happens. We had a developer update yesterday. All the developers are busy building stuff. Uh, there was a lot of excitement this week. Uh, there was a, uh, beta version of, uh, collateralized lending platform called DuckPools.io. Uh, I know that they uh, did a good job of throwing up a KYA, giving users a warning, hey, this is a test dev, and they uh, limited, you know, access in terms of funds. So, you know, people just don't ape into something that's still under development. Uh, looking forward to seeing their GitHub. Um, big week. Uh, you know, I know that uh, both... Rosen and uh, Ergodex have uh, been playing around on the test net and have done transfers uh, between Ergo and Cardano. And that's really nice to see. Um, I know that uh, once, uh, what is that, Vassal is uh, live, there's going to be some really interesting development on both sides. So looking forward to that collaboration. Yeah, that's it. All right. Thanks. Thanks, Joe. 
Yeah, let's uh, let's get to some questions, I guess, right? About that time. That's about that time. All right. Well, let's make that time happen. So, um, uh, let's see. So, there's a good question right here. Do you think that a potential increase in hash rate will bring more developers to Ergo, as it may be seen as more secure? Um. So I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll take a stab at this one. And of course, I'm sure Joe, uh, you know, has a, 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 a very well thought out and going to be really well articulated answer to this as well. So um, let me kind of take a stab at this first. So, um, so what you really need to understand is that Yes, there will be an increase in hash rate um, as Ergo evolves, right? So more uh, more more people are our are, are security network. There's going to be an increase in hash rate. There's going to be uh, an increase in participants. Now, what you have to really remember is um, it's not proportionate, right? So there's always a curve at which it moves, right? So increase the hash rates and increase the hash rate and then uh, community involvement or developer involvement follows. Um, I don't think that just because the hash rate increases, we're going to get a big influx of developers. Uh, what I think will attract developers more is an, an increase in hash rate which will make the network more secure and the tooling and the more and more tooling we put out there to complement uh, what, uh, what developers are looking for. And again, we have a lot of great tooling, um, but I think that the tooling itself is going to have a much bigger impact on attracting developers than just the increase in hash rate or the increase in security, which is also an amazing thing. Um, but again, I think the tooling is a bigger uh, a, a bigger sell for developers. And just personally, I know from doing feasibility studies and then basically technical feasibilities on, um, on blockchains and, and, and development environments. Um, yeah, it's basically, com it basically comes down to tooling, speed, and uh, network size. But network size is basically, you know, it's... Um, it's below tooling a lot of times for, for developers. So at least that's what I've seen. Uh, what is your take on this, Joe? Sure. I think that mining has always been a good on-ramp for people to learn more about blockchains and development and smart contracts. Uh, just because, you know, that subset of users has an investment in um you know, crypto as a whole. So I think that oftentimes when someone gets into mining, they kind of put their foot in the water and then how far they swim uh, just depends on the person. Uh, now, one thing that uh, we have to be conscientious of is that Ergo is UTXO based and a lot of uh, miners are going to be coming off the account model. So there is some uh, differences that they have to start to grasp uh, between those two models, right? Uh, the account and UTXO. And then, you know, when we get into the kind of functional nature of ErgoScript and uh, you get into registers and how smart contracts are built, it is very different than what uh, the average Solidity 
enthusiast uh, is used to, right? And that's where, you know, educational on-ramps and tooling uh, comes into account. I know that we have uh, DECO, which is starting a new semester soon. Um, and that is a great uh, resource, even for laymen, just to understand, okay, what are you putting your money into? How does it work? Um, you know, if you uh, look into DECO, they do have a YouTube channel. They do have actual developers in the ecosystem that have onboarded um, and taught some people from scratch that actually have ended up uh, building on Ergo, which is, you know, I have to tip my hat to that. Uh, we also have a uh, an initiative that's coming out of uh, DAPSTEP. Uh, Ilya is putting together videos in terms of building on Ergo, and uh, we also have some SDKs uh, out there coming from um, ErgoPad, coming from Nautilus, and so having those, um, educational mechanisms are just going to be important. You know, I, I would say uh, it's my hope and, you know, I can uh, hope with my fingers crossed. Cause I know there's a lot of people that just kind of mindlessly ape in this space, but I would hope that if somebody, uh, is really interested, they want to do their due diligence, learn a little bit, uh, ultimately protect themselves. Right. And, uh, as we have educational tools, um, I think that's the first step, you know, just in terms of visualizing the differences and, and starting to pick that up. And then also, you know, the tooling itself is going to be important. And that's been a continual um, development this year. That's, that's growing at a nice pace. Um, but yeah, miners do have a tendency to tinker, right? And that's, that's kind of why uh, they make good developers is because, you know, you're tinkering with your rigs and you start learning about the chain and you start tinkering around learning how things work. And a lot of the times that leads one to become more involved in understanding kind of the, uh, internal aspects of these systems. Sorry, I keep having to put myself on mute to avoid, uh, the barking dog factor that is happening in my house quite a bit right now. What animal? Yeah, I know. I, I got, you know, I got four dogs in here right now and, uh, it's raining outside. And so they're, they're barking at, uh, you know, the, at, 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 uh, at Thor and Zeus and all those guys that are making their life a living hell right now with the thunder and the rain and all that crazy mm -hmm. stuff. Anyway, let's, let's go to this next question here. And this is a good question from Terry. Uh, so what other entities in the foundation uh, is the foundation training to work on the core protocol outside the current set of actors? So sure. uh, why, don't you, why don't you take that one, Joe? Sure. So uh, right now, the main incentives that uh, the foundation offers in terms of attracting developers specifically for the node um, is bounties, right? And we do have a pretty open, uh, community where, you know, if somebody works, uh, on the node or really in most aspects of Ergo, they find a lot of developer support and kind of onboarding, right? Uh, the Ergo foundation, uh, you know, ultimately that's going to be one of its, its core, uh, purposes is to maintain the core of the protocol. Um, I would personally hope that in time as Ergo grows, uh, it becomes more of a uh, diversified group, 
working on the node, but you know, that has to come with time, right? There has to be a certain value aspect that creates the incentive and uh, popularity to do that. But in my opinion, the more people at the table, uh, it's just going to lead to better discussions and, and, you know, collective mind share. So, you know, I, I would say long-term, I would love to see other, uh, you know, entities or actors, uh, come in. And so we can have higher level discussions about, you know, the future of the protocol, but it's, it's early for that. Um, you know, it's, one thing that you see about uh, Bitcoin is you have you know a couple of entities and actors around the core protocol that are uh, you know always talking, debating, proposing ideas, and you know to to some degree it does make them a little bit glacial in terms of change, but it also diversifies like uh, the um, just mindshare instead of actors around it. I think that's ultimately a good thing. Uh, so my hope would be that, uh, we get more, uh, no developers, we get more high level ideas, uh, bring them to the table, you know, and then discuss and debate and figure out uh, what path forward is best. Yeah. I think that, um, well, a lot of this will actually come from other entities that are not the EF. Well, I mean, I guess this is basically what you're saying, uh, that are not the EF, uh, joining the ecosystem and really um, just, uh, you know, leading the conversation on some, some things. Right. So uh, my hope that it is also Zengate, you know, Zengate will do that at some point, we will be able to contribute to the core protocol and our development team is also, also, also going to work in a core protocol with, with the Ergo foundation and we could, you know, develop something new. I mean, the Ergo foundation is the, uh, and the development team is is more of kind of like the, uh, the fundamentals, the uh, uh, you know the OG crew, and the maybe Zengate or or other actors that come into the ecosystem. It doesn't just have to be Zengate, and I hope it's not just Zengate that's doing this. You know, Spectrum, um, Ergoland, or uh, 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 I'm sorry, Exit. Uh, what, what is the new name of Ergoland? Excel. I know it's, it's, you got the memory of it now. Me too. Yeah. So, um, or whoever else, whoever else is out there kind of doing, they're using the protocol for their own, um, particular application. And I'm a strong believer in commercial adoption being a big driver of innovation. Um, and so for that, and that's, this is why I think that, uh, at a, at a certain point in the future, in the near future, Zengate will play a, play a significant role in contributing to the core protocol because we will come to points where we will say, okay, well, look, we're trying to develop functionality, we're trying to develop an ecosystem, we're trying to expand the ecosystem. We need to develop the stooling. We need to make these updates to the protocol. Uh, how do we do that? You know, how, yeah. how, how do we compromise, how to create this, uh, these, uh, these new advancements? Um, so yeah, yeah. I, I, I definitely think that as more outside actors, as, as more real decentralization happens, that's when, uh, new, uh, new outside entities will expand and basically come in and start developing the protocol. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, it's, and, and it's good, you know, and, and the Cardano ecosystem that's already starting to happen. Uh, well, not with the core, the core protocol, but, uh, um, you know, a, a kind of extending, you know, layer two solutions and, 
um, building things on top. And eventually, I think these companies will be developing part of the core protocol once it goes basically uh, completely to the community. Uh, like, say, companies like DC Spark, for example, uh, you know, these guys are doing a lot of development, or uh, Genius Yield. Uh, these guys are all doing a lot of cool development, uh, ADA, a ADA, uh, finance, uh, but a lot of other ones, uh, WMT is also going to think there, the world mobile thing is going to be doing a lot of really good, uh, development. And eventually I think there's going to be core development that is going to come out of that company, uh, because of their particular application, uh, off Cardano. Um, yeah, so just to wrap it up, uh, that's, I think that is the, the, the real way to make this happen, to really expand this and, and not to fall into the trap of, well, I don't know if I want to call it the trap, but kind of the, um, you know, the, 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 the Bitcoin, um, scenario where you basically have a couple of dev houses, right? You only have a couple of major dev houses that are really kind of doing it. And then if somebody doesn't like it, they'll just fork it, you know, like, uh, like Bitcoin cash or whatever, you know, um, or Litecoin. Uh, they'll just kind of take it. It's like, ah, oh, yeah, screw you guys. And I don't like what you're doing. Oh, I'm just going to make my own. It's important, it that we, it's important that we stay in contact with the uh, developer community to support the functionality that Ergo has. And actually, you know, we've seen a lot of, uh, we've seen a lot of, uh, growth and just great ideas from actually outside the EF in terms of EIPs, um, you know, you know, creating standards for building on top of Ergo, which sometimes then the core protocol needs to adjust to a little bit. So I imagine that, uh, we'll continue. Yep. All right. Let's, uh, let's see what else do we have here? Um, uh oh. There we go. Let's see. Uh, all right. Well, all right. Um, all right. So, uh, so does, okay. So here's a bit more of a techie question, techie ish. Uh, does a hash rate increase improve block time consistency? Uh, variability after difficulty adjustments. I know the average, uh, the average stays at two minutes. So what, what, what do you, what is your take on that, Joe? So you have the, uh, hash rate, you have the difficulty of the target and they're all constantly adjusting, um, to try to maintain the, uh, two minute average, which, you know, that's, that's what, uh, Basically, when the hash rate adjusts, it's trying to target uh, two minutes. Uh, you know, it'll move the difficulty up or down depending on the uh, hash rate. Now, that uh, is a flexible number, two minutes, right? It's We're not going to have a, a block, you know, two minutes on the dot every two minutes. That's uh, something that the network is programmed over time to adjust for. Now, um, there are some, uh, I would say potential weaknesses in our, in our, um, adjustment period that we inherited from being, uh, 
let's say non-outsourceable having for solo mining. Uh, and it's important to kind of educate about that as we uh, get an influx of miners. Uh, right now the Epic is 1,024 blocks and the goal of having that long Epic, uh, is that it gave solo miners the ability to vote, right? Uh, when you have single, uh, let's say more of a democratic voting system, uh, having more participation in a larger number is going to more accurate, accurately reflect a uh, consensus among a set of actors. Um, after non-outsourceable puzzles had an issue and we uh, went through the uh, hard fork to Autolicos 2, um, we inherited mining pools, right? And that creates a very different model of governance versus like a grassroots democracy where, you know, right now pools are the main um, actors that are voting. I do know that, uh, you know, we do have a push, uh, specifically from, uh, get block to, uh, create new, uh, layer two mechanisms to kind of bring back like collective solo mining, which is really uh, neat to see. Um, I think at some point in the future, um, it would be good to start a discussion with miners. Uh, in terms of our ability to shorten the epic length without adjusting uh, the target and how things are actually calculated, I, I think that could potentially be done uh, pretty surgically. Um, but I also want to make sure that we watch how um, proof of work mining itself develops with smart pools because we may grow back into a place where having that diversified governance and voting system makes a lot of sense. So it's hard for me to, um, say that, you know, it couldn't be beneficial again, long-term, but ultimately, um, you know, the miners are going to have a vote and my collective hash rate is, you know, not that great. So I don't have that much power there, but, uh, it's a conversation worth having. I'm sure, um, many people are used to, uh, let's say, you know, adjustments that happen a lot faster. And it actually came out that there was, uh, I think it was F2, uh, has potentially been trying to game the difficulty adjustment on Ethereum for quite some time. Um, and luckily being that ours is much more, uh, conservative, uh, that attack vector, uh, is possible. All right. Uh, so we got us a couple of good questions here. Well, first, actually, um, I, I see that uh, Mr. Grayskull has noticed my dude tattoo by his uh, quoting of the Big Lebowski right here. So I must say, Grayskull, the dude abides. And I take comfort in knowing that. Uh, all right, so we have um, a question from, well, none other than Mr. Egger Gagger. Uh, Gagger, Gagger, Gagger. I, I, I used to be able to say his name, but it's 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 a uh, it's uh, Egger Gagger. Egger Gagger. That's it, right? Egger Gagger. Okay. All right. I, I hope I got it right. All right. So, what are your thoughts on Pimos in the bear market? Miners will be hyper focused on short term profits and might not be interested in a long-term vision of hoping a token launch, uh, of helping a token launch like this. 
My personal opinion uh, is that you have to look at the entire spectrum of mining, right? And one thing that does happen in a bear market more than in a bull market is speculative mining, right? There's more of an incentive uh, for miners to potentially spec mine because the profitability and reliability of uh, the majority of networks just isn't there. So, you know, in, in some ways, I would actually think with the right uh, education, awareness, and ultimately project, right? Uh, I think it's going to break down a lot to the project and kind of the marketing side of it and educating miners about the potential. And uh, I actually think it would be more profitable in a bear market because profitability broadly um, isn't there, right? If you had something like uh, what we experienced in, uh, you know, late 2020, 2021, where uh, suddenly ETH uh, mining was super profitable. And, you know, you had people at some point pulling like five, $10 in per card if they had the right setup. I would say in that environment, it'd be much harder uh, to launch a FEMO versus when everyone's kind of in pain and looking around for how they can optimize uh, their returns or stay cash flow positive. I think at that point, uh, spec mining actually might make more sense. Yeah, I also really agree with uh, what you're saying about speculative mining because. Yeah, I mean, some are focused in short-term profits. I think those are actually the guys with the, you know, the big, big mining as a business type of um, uh, setup. Um, you know, those guys are basically just going to go towards the most profitable at the moment. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, but I also think that the 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 network effect of smaller mining operations and miners are, you know, got a signal that there are a couple of miners, uh, to, uh, to, to mine ergo. I think those guys are more likely to mine ergo because of, uh, you know, because of the speculative nature of it, because they see the potential and they see that right now, you know, it's yeah, moving into the yeah, 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 exactly. I mean, right now is a good time uh, if, if you're basically investing uh, into the future. So, um, yeah, I think there, there, there's going to be a network effect um, that might balance that out. Again, yeah, I, I just I, have to wait and see. I would definitely say that, you know, when, when markets are in poor condition, it does tend to lead to more of the value investment mentality where people start to think long-term where they can enter and uh, how they can grow in the future versus when things get hot and speculative, usually people just chase the trend. Uh, so I think FEMO uh, actually could do quite well, but you would need um, the right, uh, basically education and awareness amplifier out there to let miners know, uh, you know, and I'm sure that uh, if mining profitability approaches the point where people are not cash flow positive, the anxiety of that is going to lead them to start looking right. And in terms of what they can do. And, and, and so, you know, if, if the right project is there to plug in and it has, you know, a nice use case, it's built the right way, it's open source. And, and there's kind of a certain traction behind it that allows uh, the average miner to be aware of it. I would say 
there's probably no better time than in a bear market. Absolutely. All right. So let's move to this next question. Good question. Is there any, is there any talk of increasing transaction fees to keep mining profitable and help absorb the influx of hash rate due to the merge? Um, again, Joe, this is, this is all you. The beauty of how Ergo is structured is the miners do not need to ask. They simply have the ability to vote. Now, um, if mining profitability does become painful, which is very possible post-merge, uh, and miners collectively want to make an adjustment, you know, unfortunately, in kind of our uh, Senate model of uh, governance that we have now, you know, miners do need to interact with the pools and get the pools to update the header on their nodes and uh, talk to each other, but. You know, if there needs to be adjustment there, I would love to see it come from the grassroots, uh, have it come from the miners themselves and work its way up into the pools and, you know, ultimately um, get uh, pools to support your choice by voting with your hash rate, right? That's uh, kind of the ergo governance model versus asking me, a member of the foundation, and then I go out and say, okay, this is what's going to happen. And that's what led to the merge anyway. And, and you know, I would like to see a different system where uh, miners have power from the bottom up. All right, here's another good question actually about the merge. So if the merge doesn't go through, can the core devs take away the merge difficulty ball? They have in the past. They have in the past. Let's be honest. I mean, the difficulty bomb has been turned off and kicked. You know, the can's been kicked down the road many times. Uh, this is why you know. There's. I say you know, if it happens, it does look like uh, based on test nets and uh, you know, kind of their rollout plan. It does look like it's uh, in the barrel and you know will be uh, fired at some point. But there's always that potential that something happens and they say, hey guys, let's slow down readjust, uh, go through some other process. So I, I, I imagine there's some mechanism for that can to be kicked. I don't think they'd be totally, uh, without, uh, exit plan, but, um, you know, if the merge doesn't go through, yeah, it'll be drama. If it does go through, it'll be drama. So we're in for an interesting month. Yeah. And so here's actually another, another question that I think we've been getting quite a bit. I think we actually got something similar in the last AMA, but let's try to kind of uh, address it again, because I think, you know, there's still a lot of, uh, you know, there needs to be more clarity spread out the community. So Ergo has a mixer on the base layer. How in the light of the tornado crashes issue could Ergo be affected if it draws attention? So basically, uh, you know, the ergo mixer, uh, if we get more exposure, uh, if we get more traffic, um, how does the tornado, tornado cash affect ergo mixer? Is there any kind of, uh, I guess, uh, you know, risk there? What do you think, Joe? I think that it's reactionary. Uh, it doesn't take into account that uh, zero knowledge proofs and, you know, privacy rollups are becoming, uh, more popular, more adopted and plugged into more ecosystems. Right. And, you know, the reality is most, um, most ecosystems that have functionality are actually developing privacy based tools. 
Okay. So once that technology is in the wild, that is extremely hard to stop, especially in an open system. Um, now I would draw a parallel to like, okay, so, uh, you know, OFAC said, you know, this is bad for, you know, the X reason, something to do with North Korea, yada, yada, yada. Uh, you know, you could ask the same question is any type of token that could be listed or deemed as a security, a liability, uh, because, you know, that's certainly been a fear out there that has created the same type of, uh, you know, hysteria. And I guess potentially privacy could be an issue, potentially, you know, securities, you know, some classification could be an issue in certain jurisdictions, but the reality is, you know, I, I got a message after this saying, you guys need to take the ergo mixer offline. And I was like, well, number one, I can't. And that's the beauty of, um, that's the beauty of like the decentralized system is I literally can't. It's an anonymous dev. I don't know who built it, right? It's open source code. So even if the GitHub is removed, you have a ton of people globally that are running it locally and could use file sharing P2P methods, uh, any other type of hosting uh, service to uh, share it around. So it kind of becomes one of those things that it's like a weed that you can, you know, yeah. remove Bay has a website and, you know, go through an 18 month investigation and finally shut down that one server. And then suddenly there's 17 mirrors. <laughs> Good luck. You know, I, I like, I can't stop it. I have no desire to, I think that uh, privacy has its place. It has a purpose and, you know, even is quite useful beyond uh, simply uh, like the negative, you know, connotations that come with hiding something, right? It's good to have financial privacy. Uh, sometimes when you're interacting with applications, sometimes when you're bidding on something, sometimes when you're sending, you know, somebody funds, you don't want them to know what you have, right? That's, uh, really common sense. So I think that there's a lot of hoopla hype and fear around that. And, you know, to be honest, let's, it, it was quite serious. They arrested a developer. They, you know, pulled things from GitHub. But ultimately, I, I hope that it sparks a fire in our industry that we say, okay, well, how do we create a DAP that's front end and back end are hosted in ways that cannot be, uh, you know, stifled? And ultimately, it makes our industry harder, uh, better. And, you know, we stop seeing uh, everything hosted on like Amazon Web Services and start actually trying to engineer uh, systems from the bottom up that you just can't remove, you know? be cool. Yeah. And also just to add to what you were saying, uh, with, um, I guess they're like, you know, uh, panic trends, especially mm -hmm. with new technology, especially with, uh, privacy tooling to come around, you know, it's like, Oh, privacy coins, privacy coins. We're not going to touch the, the JFSA. And I still actually think there's, they might still be, uh, you know, uh, OCD about not touching privacy coins. Oh, it's a privacy coin. Ah, ah we, we, oh, no, that's, that's just too risky. Well, first of all, it shows you, okay. Uh, so exactly why do you want to deny that level of privacy? What is, because the government is not really going to tell you usually why they're, you know, what, what, what is the reason for their action? You know, why is it not okay? They'll throw stuff at you. Oh, North Korea. Oh, terrorists. Like, okay. Yeah. But you can't outlaw everything in the world 
that can be used by North Korea or terrorists. That's that's a bullshit reason. I'm sorry. Um, it has to be. You have to be more specific. Is there has the has North Korea tried using this? Have they used it successfully? You know, it has to be more like that for the intelligent person, or at least somebody with my level of intelligence, which is you know average, uh, to accept it. Um, and what you also have to remember is, uh, yeah, okay, so yeah, there could be bad actors. There have been bad actors with privacy that they use privacy tooling for bad, bad, bad stuff. But it's kind of like um, I got to think about it this way, right? Um, a lot more privacy tooling has been used for not bad stuff than bad stuff, you know. So proportionately I, the bulk amount of privacy tooling out there has not been used for nefarious activities. And you just really have to think about it that way. And you really have to weigh these things out and really hope governments out there will start. I mean, you know, I'm not going to hold my breath, but we'll start come to their senses and understand it's like, okay, you can't play mommy forever because it's not sustainable because you can't police the internet. You definitely can't please a decentralized ecosystem because as Joe just said, you know, uh, it, it, it's, it's like a weed, you know, you, you're not going to win. You'll lose. If, if they want you to lose, you will lose. You can't, you can't control it. Um, and it's, uh, it also reminds me of, um, something that was said in, in a, a Twitter space that I was in yesterday. Uh, it had to do more about NFTs and intellectual property rights and uh, more about, you know, working in Hollywood and using, utilizing intellectual property in Hollywood and so on and so forth or, or in show business in general. Um, and so one of the people actually said that, uh, well, a lot of a lot of artists, a lot of starting independent artists are afraid to expose their art to the world because they're afraid they're going to get ripped off, you know, and, and you can throw out arguments that, well, you know, you can't really copy art. You can only try to imitate it. You know, if it's really art, it's unique. So if somebody knows that you made it, even if somebody else makes something closed, they'll still know that you made the original. It's still not going to be the same thing. Um, and okay, yes, maybe scripts, things like that have gotten stolen, have gotten, there have, might've been, and there have been actually stories about, you know, scripts getting stolen, if rewritten by larger studios and whatever. But look, bottom line here is, is that for the most part, most scripts and most art does not get stolen. It just does not. Most of it, you know, people avoid plagiarism people avoid nefarious activities they use they use the 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 the, system, the space for good same thing with privacy tooling privacy tooling is not made to carry out terrorist activities it's not made to carry out criminal activities it's made to give people to give the individual their basic rights you know right to privacy i mean that is one of the basic rights of living in a free democratic society there's also and, something uh, about, uh, you know, let's say the historical trend of, uh, I hate to say it, but criminal enterprises tend to be the first to pick up innovation. 
organization because it benefits them. We were the first people to, you know, afford V8 cars. Uh, people in prohibition that wanted to outrun the cops. Who were the people that, you know, started to adopt cell phones? It was, you know, international cartels and that type of organization, especially when it was quite expensive. Who was the first people to pick up the internet and start, you know, uh, building, you know, that global communication systems, uh, you know, and markets uh, generally that, I mean, there, there is a kind of a historical precedent of using the cutting edge to, to some advantage in, in that side of the space. So, uh, you know, I, I think there's always going to be that trend if it is a useful technology that applies benefits, uh, to some degree that can be like a leading indicator of its use. I hate to say it, but it's just true. Yeah. 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 Yeah, of course, you can look at it that way as well, and and, and that's a valid point. Uh, just generally speaking, as I said before, I just think that it's an overreaction, as you said as well. It's an overreaction. Um, you, you can't look. It's just like with the internet when it just came around, right? Uh, I mean, everybody thought that. Oh, I, I remember there was a show uh, about um, like UFOs and stuff. I forgot what it was called back in the 90s and they would show these uh, it was about you know ufos and an explained phenomenon and just like weird shit <laughs> and so one episode was about a guy who believes that the apocalypse was coming and the machines were going to take over and he actually had some formula that was written up because the internet was basically just coming up around there was like 98 99 it was just starting to get out mainstream and so this guy would literally go out and he would smash computers. Like he he would he would buy out computers, and he's like, I just I need to smash as many as possible. I need to smash. You know, I have to stop the robots from. I need to stop the computers from taking over. And he wasn't. I mean, maybe he was kind of a uh, you know nutty, but he was still like sane enough to form an argument around it, even though it was a flawed argument. It wasn't like. Oh, they're talking to me. Uh, you know, the evil robots are talking to me. They, we, they must be stopped. It wasn't like that. They actually formed an argument around it. And so, you know, and then there was other, uh, you know, legislation out there. They were trying to do, they were trying to legislate the internet. They're trying to get the, you know, get people to do this, do that. They, they regulate how things are done on the internet. And to a very, very small extent, they were, they, they were successful, but to the large extent that they weren't. And I think with privacy tooling, it's going to be the same thing. People need to remember that in my lifetime and in Dan's lifetime, at one point, cryptography was treated uh, as like a munition and the transmission of it was, uh, you know, heavily illegal. And what happened? Look at where we are today. Uh, you know, censoring code, censoring technology is a fool's game, my opinion. Ultimately, uh, it's too much of a weed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's see. Um, let's, let's, let's take another nice, uh, nice question here. We got a few, uh, let's see. Uh, let's see. Uh, okay. Well, so this is, um, it's actually a, a, a depth question. 
So again, Joe, you might have to take the lead on this one. Uh, I think Ergo needs a good development environment like Remix to Ethereum, which is really developer friendly. The time of uh, Ergo is too long to debug. What are your thoughts on that, Joe? Uh, it depends. I believe right now the testnet is firing off blocks at you know in the second intervals. So uh, in terms of like uh, testing there. We've actually uh, been asked a couple of times, can we slow it down uh, in terms of like the testnet environment? Uh, but yeah, I ultimately think that uh, having that type of uh, tooling for development itself is going to be beneficial. Uh, so I, you know, I can't disagree there. I think that, uh, you know, one thing that Ethereum has done really well, but it didn't start there, right? And you have to also remember Ethereum's a lot older. So put it into some perspective, but there's a lot of tooling in place that has given front-end developers a tremendous amount of power uh, building on Ethereum where, you know, they can build kind of functionality from the front end, which is quite fascinating. And I would love to see uh, some tooling advance in that direction, but ultimately I do think that uh, where we are in our growth, there's still a ton to explore and discover in terms of just uh, simple extended UTXO contracts. And once that becomes more common, more understood, more adopted, then yeah, we build more towards the front end. So front end developers can come in and uh, pull from that knowledge base. So it's, it's a growth process, right? Uh, I, I can't say that we are uh, there yet to where uh, you can create as uh, friendly of an environment as Ethereum, but we have to take it into like a historical perspective with age to where <clears throat> initially, you know, uh, Ethereum did take, uh, you know, kind of a high level uh, developer to understand solidity at first. And then you had a ton of open source frameworks. You had a ton of tooling and over time, uh, yeah, that has really uh, created a path that I respect a lot, and I would love to see the Ergo ecosystem follow. All right, I think we have time for one last question. This is actually a good one. Um, and so let's get this one answered. The, this may sound trivial, but how did it work out that there would be 97,739,925 well, coins, they're not tokens or coins, but uh, why not 100 million, 50 billion? I love the project, just genuinely curious as to what thinking determines the token amount. So again, Joe, this, okay, so this, this was actually answered by you. This is actually a question that I do not know the direct answer to, but I can tell you the type of thinking that determined that amount, right? And I uh, know Alex well enough to know that uh, he's very functional in terms of his thinking. And, and, and uh, I would imagine it came down to the mathematical decay of our emission. That would be my guess, that it wasn't like a, oh, let's uh, pick a number and then we're going to somehow plug that into an emission uh, framework. It probably started from the math and then ended at a number. That's just how Alex is going to think. No. Yeah, yeah. It's it's definitely yeah. It's definitely a functional number. Uh, again, I know I've known Alex for a long time as well. Yeah, that's what he's going to think. 
it, it definitely came from, uh, like the emission formula itself, not like, so Dan, how many ergo tokens? And then whether we think, and we're like, I don't know, maybe 10 now let's go 50 billion. How about a hundred billion? And then we try to build backwards from whatever random number we pick. That's not how Alex thinks at all. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I can tell you that because I'm actually building out tokenomics right now for, for, uh, for Palmyra actually. And yeah, yeah. You, you, you kind of, you know, you, there's like, all right. Well, I mean, you know, the average, you know, the, the layman like me will say like, all right. So, uh, that's a good number. Let's see. Eeny, meeny, miny, mo. That's a good number. Okay. So let's work from down from there, you know, and usually a lot of times that's how tokenomics happen. Um, uh, you just kind of have this general idea of, Basically, tokenomics, the, the, the high level of creating tokenomics is uh, you write two columns, right? You, one column is what you want your token or coin to do, and the other one, what you don't want it to do. And then from there, you figure out your tokenomics, right? And so you can then get more and more uh, uh, uh uh, detailed and everything, but generally just what do you want it to do? What you don't want it to do. Um, and so generally at first you're going to have an arbitrary amount and you say, okay, well, for my, for my particular ecosystem, I would need more tokens. I would need less tokens or coins, whatever, you know, larger amounts, smaller amount, whatever. You just kind of think about it better on the high level. And then you break it down for Alex. It starts at the base layer, you know, <laughs> Guaranteed. Because he knows all the moving parts already in his mind. It's like, okay, there's 50,000 different moving parts. Let me combine them all together and build a pyramid from the bottom up. Yeah. It's, it's the ergo way is it's like back end heavy. You know, a lot of people are going to look at, they're going to start at the front end that you sell to the, you know, the average people and make that something clean. And then try to figure out the back end after that. And a lot of functional programmers just do not function that way. That's not how they're trained to think. So it started with math led to an emission schedule. And then at the end, the output is a number that some people are like, well, that's strange. How come that's not clean? And it's like, well, because it, that wasn't the, like the original intent. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. All right, guys. Well, I think that is all the time we have for today or for this week. Um, again, thanks a lot for joining us. And uh, all right. Well, everybody have a pleasant rest of the day or the rest of the week, and we will see you next week. Yep. And I hope everybody enjoyed this little scrolly deal that Andy built on the bottom. Pretty nice. Makes us look like some kind of news organization. Good job, Andy. Yeah, we're like. Good job, Andy. Andy's there in a dark room with a baby probably right now, you know, trying to it's like, come on guys, come on guys. It's to have to, I have to feed the bee in 3.7 minutes. I know how that is. I, I, I was there only a year and a half ago. Anyway, thanks a lot, everybody. And we will see you next week. Have a good one.